you're listening to the Saluki Gamescast. This is episode 62. My name is Justin Young. It's November 17th, 2023. It's, you know, less than one week to Thanksgiving. Uh, joining me as usual is Mario Sanders, but we have Christina Ivey back this week and also joining us for the first time after a long time of trying to get him on the show. <laughs> it's uh, Scott Jarman. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Um, so Scott, why don't you introduce yourself to everyone? You're a PhD student here at SIU. Yeah, I'm a PhD student here. I've been here for a number of years. Uh, uh, won't say what, uh, but, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm here finishing up my dissertation. I'm doing a dissertation. That's a little bit of a, uh, look into, uh, the crone or the, the, the old witch, um, sort of as a figure across some different sort of texts and, um, sort of looking at this figure that has been around a very long time and, and at, across cultures. So uh, that's sort of what I've been doing and uh, teaching intercultural communication at this point in the, in uh, this semester and next semester. So uh, yeah, that's, that's sort of what I'm doing here. Well, intercultural communication is a pretty fun, interesting class. I don't know how the students respond to it, but like, it, there's a lot of different areas you can go to with it. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite classes to teach um, in so far in in the comm department um, for just the 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 plethora of students that come in from different sort of uh, of majors and and disciplines and all those kinds of things. So we can mm -hmm. have these really interesting sort of conversations about applying some of these theories and ideas into uh, their own sort of disciplines and their own sort of ways of thinking. So, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been great. I do love teaching the class. I think that's always fun. I mean, as much as I enjoy our majors, I do like sometimes the class that's like completely non-majors and just students from all over campus because you do get that weird mix and different ways of like kind of approaching and thinking about uh, communication and so, you know, they bring in their specialties and their interests and their things they know about. Um, so it's always fun to teach a class like that. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. Um, well, um, it is, as we said, about one week till Thanksgiving. So um, does anybody have any exciting Thanksgiving plans coming up in the next week? Not me. Mm -mm. Um, I'm <laughs> Sleeping. <laughs> but that's, that I'm, has its own excitement I'm to excited. It. <laughs> uh, I'm going to visit some family. They live in the Philadelphia area. So I'm um, going out of town for from Sunday and I'll fly back on Friday. So will you actually go into Philadelphia? Um, I don't know. Uh, there's an old friend from high school uh, who she goes to UPenn. She's a graduate student there. And so she and I have been messaging about maybe getting lunch or dinner or something one day. But other than that, probably not. Oh, so you're not going to take this chance to run up the Rocky Stairs? <laughs> so I, I went to Philadelphia over the summer as part of my big baseball tour, and I got to see the statue and do the steps and all that then. Oh, okay. So you've already done it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's the reason you're not taking this opportunity. And I'm not going to lie. I kind of was like, oh, the Rocky statues, you know, that's kind of a goofy thing. It's actually pretty cool when you get there <laughs> and you, like, you see it and you stand in front of it. I don't know. Like I was, I appreciated it more in person than I think like in the abstract. Uh, it's that, what is it? Sublime benamine. And I don't know, some theoretical thing. I don't know. I can't turn my brain off when it happens. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, there are some things that live up like beyond the hype. Yeah. When you go see them, and then the, the things, Mona Lisa, for example. Yeah, and then there's the things that like are way below the hype. So like Plymouth Rock is that for me. Mm. Like mm-hmm. you know, as a kid, you in school every t- year around this time you learn all about Plymouth Rock, and then you go see Plymouth Rock, which is just. A rock. A, a rock that they've <laughs> carved a year into. And it's not even like a giant rock. Like I was thinking Plymouth Rock, like this jutting, like, you know, leaning out over the sea and everything. And I would have they, thought that as well. Yes. And <laughs> then you get there and it's literally just this rock the size of this table that they have carved a year into. And you show up and they're like, this is Plymouth Rock. And you're like, so? <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> Yeah, so when when I went there over the summer, we did the the Rocky Statue and Steps and the Liberty Bell. And the Liberty mm-hmm. Bell also, um, I'm not going to say more impressive, but um, was a more interesting time sort of going through like the museum that leads up to it than, mm-hmm. I don't know, I guess I had expected. Did you did that inspire you to steal the Declaration of Independence? <laughs> it didn't. Um, you know, I think it's hard to not think about those movies when you're seeing all of these like historical sites because I, I think I had come right from D.C. Uh, mm. before that, I'd driven uh-huh. from D.C. to Philadelphia. Yeah. So. What? <laughs> so you're feeling very patriotic. <laughs> you're really going on the like uh, <laughs> the, the National, National Treasure, Treasure Reality Tour. Tour. <laughs> Um, okay, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> um, well, all right, we uh, have a lot to talk about with games and everything, so why don't we jump right into it? And Mario, why don't we start with you? What have you been playing? So I did it. Bubsy Two has been played, <laughs> um, and I gotta say, I've played worse. Uh, you know, I will say the Bubsy ball- One. No, <laughs> Monster Truck Madness on the oh, Nintendo 64. Yeah. Um, the, I will say the bar was on the ground, but shouts out to Bubsy, it cleared it. <laughs> I'm looking at pictures of this game yeah. right now on my phone, and I remember, I remember seeing this game. So it was horrible. It was horrible. That's what it was. As people say. Okay. Like I said, people, people talk it, about it as though this was going to be the worst gaming experience of my mm-hmm. life, and it was not. I, okay. I think the thing with the Bubsy games is that they got progressively worse, mm-hmm. which is like sort of like you play the first one and it's this very forgettable platformer for the most part. That first level is kind of fun because it's got the water slides on it. And then they made Bubsy 2 and it was, I think a lot of people view that as worse than the original Bubsy. And then they made Bubsy 3D, which is widely considered to be one of the worst games ever made. <laughs> And it was like, oh, no, somebody has to put a stake through his heart. <laughs> they have to stop Bubsy. Yeah, this looks bad. I will say, uh, I played it. I played the Super Nintendo version instead of the Genesis version. From what I understand, the Genesis version is significantly more difficult. Oh. Um, mm. Because in the, this, the Super Nintendo version, you're collecting all the things as you go through the levels. And af- after you beat a level you can trade those items in for cards, mm. and then you can use those cards to either buy those items back, they all cost a certain number of cards, or you can buy lives. And so after beating the first level, I think I had enough cards to buy like nine or 10 lives. And then it was just like every level was like, my goal was just, can every level be like net positive Mm -hmm. in terms of the lives I'm able to buy? And some of them weren't. There was one level that I think literally, I had like 32 lives going into it. And I want to say it took nearly 20 of my lives. Oh, wow. That's how bad that level was. <laughs> All the others were pretty fine. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, like I said, it it this was part of that my friends event that I know I've I've talked about. Mm. It's probably the worst game of the event, but <laughs> like I said, uh, shouts out to Bubsy for clearing the incredibly low expectations that I had for it. Oh, I saw you on uh, when I logged into Twitch and was watching some stuff, and mm. I saw you were on. Is that what you've been doing? Is yeah. So nice. this is an event he does every year leading up to his birthday, which I want to say is the first of December. Mm-hmm. So over the the month of November. He'll put out a list of like 10 games mm-hmm. and we'll play through them all. Nice. And so that was part of it. And then yesterday I was playing uh, Super Mario RPG, mm. uh, the original. I've got the cartridge, so I was playing that. It's the first time I've played it. And um, yeah, it's been, it's that has been on the opposite side of the experience <laughs> of Bubsy. Uh, that's been pretty enjoyable. Um, it was interesting. So I had played it for some number of hours and then went over to watch the friend who was running the event, he was playing the new one because it just came out today or like at midnight. And there are some drastic changes. Obviously, like aesthetically, it's very different, but a lot of gameplay aspects have been changed. I think that line up with what players expect in the year 2023. A lot of like quality of life stuff has been changed that I think makes that game significantly easier at least it seems to make it a lot easier not that the, ge- the original version is all that difficult but there are a lot of quality of life changes that they've made there's the like i think one of the changes if you do perfect timing with your attack it will attack the entire group of enemies instead of just the one yeah and so i was talking about that with this friend and he was saying that within the original game there really aren't that many aoe style attacks or at least not really any good ones um and so he, he was like, I think that that's one way that they went about addressing it. The other thing that's new is a, like, group attack. Mm-hmm. So, like, your whole, squ- you know, squad attacks, whatever, the enemies, and that also looks like a sort of, it. well, depending on who's in your party, that changes the attack and it changes who it targets. But, uh, yeah, so it was interesting. It looked like something straight out of Chrono Trigger. Yeah. Right? Because you have three party members and they're teaming up. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the other thing? Oh, and then I think the biggest thing, and this is what I think would make the biggest change in terms of transitioning towards like an easier game, is the fact that you can switch your party members in the middle of a fight. Uh, you can't do that in the original. <laughs> and so the fact that you can do that just... It means that you can, Mario always has to be on the team, but uh, you can change out the other two. If one of them dies, you can bring in another member, but it also just means that, you know, what I imagine, what a lot of people could do is you could get sort of your support (coughs) party member out there, get the whole team sort of buffed up, and then switch that party member out for somebody that can do damage or, you know, send out a healer or something Mm -hmm. like that, and so... Um, yeah, like I said, it, it definitely seems interesting. You know, this sounds like a criticism. It it looks am- amazing. I was not really all that interested in, in buying it just because I didn't want to spend $60 on a game I already have. But um, I was I was intrigued, and I have, have definitely considered buying it or using that last voucher that I have uh, on the eShop for it. Yeah, the footage that I've watched of it, um, I haven't played it yet, but the footage that I've watched, 
it's a really good looking game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like when they show the areas with lava, the lava's glowing and there's smoke coming off of it and like it looks top tier switch games. Like mm-hmm. one of the mm-hmm. best I've seen on I, that system. I think the other thing that's a nice touch is they've added some little cutscenes or cinematics, like as one of the bosses sort of introduces itself or as you meet a party member for the first time, um, which is, it's really nice. It's like I said, it's a nice little touch that adds something that makes it feel like, oh, this, this feels like a remake. It's very um, well done, very cute, these cinematics that they've added. Mm. Okay. Is that it? Yeah, I'd say those are, those are the two big things that I've played. All right. Uh, Christina, what have you been playing? Uh, so it's that time in the semester where <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I'm Alicia's be not Alicia. here. You had yep. to say it. Yep. Yep. That's <laughs> yep. Uh, where it's like games play a very specific function for me. And it's like trying to calm my brain down enough to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And so the two games that recently have really been doing that for me are Tetris Effect, um, just the music and like visuals of that game i'll put on my headphones even though i'm the only one in the house uh so that it's like coming straight through i'll turn off all the lights and play it and it's just like a really soothing thing and i've passed out while playing it which (laughs) was interesting um and then uh probably my when i was younger my favorite game was star fox 64 (laughs) okay and so like for whatever reason that like nostalgia will sort of rock me into into sleep so those have been the two that that i've really been focusing on um last week on here i talked about a game called whisker squadron Ooh. um and so this one's whisker squadron survivor and then there's whiskers they're making a another game called just whisker squadron i guess um and it it's very inspired <laughs> by star fox oh uh, particularly the game that they're still working on. But this one is very much a sort of like um, uh, a run-based game and you're kind of flying down like a trench and everything. Mm -hmm. But it very much still has that feeling. It has like a a cell-shaded style and it's like Mm. pinks and purples and um, like a very like set color palette to it and everything. So if you like... Star Fox, like it kind of scratches that itch a little bit. Nice, that's perfect. And then the the full game that they're working on later, um, I think we'll probably do that even more so. But. Nice. Yeah, because <clears throat> like when I had the Wii U and when Star Fox Zero came out, mm-hmm. I was so stoked because, again, the 64 version was like one of my favorite games. And it was basically just a remake with some new levels and some – like kind of like what Mario was talking about, like it, the game looked a lot better. Right. But I was kind of sad that it was a remake as opposed to really any new content because right. it feels like Star Fox have just been remaking itself since the Super Nintendo days. So yeah, because sixty four is just a remake of the Super Nintendo one. Exactly. Exactly. So it's I was like, oh, I wish I wish they would revisit this franchise and like really dive in deeper with with some of the i don't know lore story characters i don't know um because yeah it's still one of the ones that like to this day my cousin and i who we used to be the video game ones in the family like he will just uh message me do a barrel roll (laughs) and and we'll go back and forth with the little lines and stuff so 
Uh, but no, I, I'll definitely look into this. It sounds really interesting. Have you played Star Fox Adventures on the GameCube? I was, I was actually going to ask. No. That's sort of the, a weird, not real Star Fox, Star Fox game. But. So, okay. So the GameCube is when I uh, started college and I was on my own, had no money. And so I feel so bad because everybody talks about how amazing the GameCube was. And I'm like, I missed out on it because I was a poor college student. Uh, Lots so of no. people missed out on the GameCube, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's the unfortunate thing is even if you wanted to try and go back to it, GameCube games are so expensive. Yeah. 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 What, what would you say it was called? Because I'll, I'll uh, watch it. Star Fox Adventures. Adventures. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to go look it up and watch it. Like, I'm sure there's a playthrough on YouTube or oh, something. Yeah, absolutely. Yay. Okay. Thank you. It's a uh, it's Star Fox meets Zelda. Oh. Yeah. It's more of like a 3D adventure <gasps> you like game get, than a. I missed that. This what <laughs> you like get out and like run around the ground as Star Fox, with which like you could unlock that in sixty four in battle mode, but uh, <laughs> but no, that sounds a lot cooler <laughs> than this because battle mode, no one picked on the ground because you were at a severe disadvantage. But yes, <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, and and Tetris Effect, I was just thinking about that game because um, I was thinking there have been. Th- like four really great Tetris games to come out mm-hmm. like this last console mm-hmm. generation. So you have that, you have Tetris 99, yep. you have, um, let's see, what's the other one? There's the um, Puyo Puyo versus oh, Tetris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's another one that I'm leaving off of there somehow. Um, Which I had all three of those. So yeah. <laughs> I, but, I love Tetris. Um, but it's amazing. Cause like, you know, Tetris, for a long time, for me, as somebody who had it on the Game Boy, mm-hmm. you know, and played a, an awful lot on the Game Boy, uh, felt like one of those games. Like, okay, I've played my, I've played enough Tetris for the rest of my life. <laughs> I've probably spent months, if not years, <laughs> of my life playing Tetris. Yep. I need to find other things to spend on my time. And then this, this console generation just really feels like they've managed to reinvent it. Mm-hmm. in incredibly interesting ways, mm-hmm. right? Like, because all those games I enjoy an awful lot. Mm-hmm. And, like, Tetris Effect is an amazing game. Yeah, um, it really is. The, like, uh, soundtrack, visual, like, it's the perfect game. If you're having trouble sleeping, get you get you a copy of Tetris Effect and play it with no lights on right before you go to bed, <laughs> and it will it'll put you right to sleep. It's so calming. My only issue with Tetris is when I play it enough, I start dreaming Tetris. Yes. And that's, yeah. I don't like that. Well, that was part of, like, the, the reason they call it Tetris Effect is that was part of the, like, original thing is they were like, oh, kind of diving in deeper with it. There's also been some psychological studies done where... Uh, f- for folks who have just experienced uh, trauma of some kind, they will suggest playing Tetris as a way to help sort of process that trauma. So it's like, I don't know, putting the blocks in order is how you're putting your emotions together in your brain or something like that. So, yeah, that's – but I get it, not liking it. I like it. <laughs> oh, I like Tetris. I just don't like dreaming. Dreaming about Tetris. it. <laughs> Fair. You need to play it in VR. Oh, yeah. Tetris Effect in VR is a really trippy experience. Yeah, dude. <laughs> so, um, and then it's not just, it'll be anytime you close your eyes, not just when you dream, <laughs> it'll be Tetris in your head. Um, all right. So, uh, playing some favorites to like kind of mm-hmm. 
calm down and everything because yep. of the time of the this semester. Time, I was going to say this time in the semester. Yep. Yeah, that <laughs> makes perfect sense. Um, anything else? Uh, nope. That's it. <laughs> All right. Uh, Scott, what have you been playing? Uh, well, we, when we uh, last talked, bef- um, when you invited me onto this podcast, I was mentioning that I was, I believe it was, it was the first day that Forza Motorsport had come out and I was very excited. I, got the early access and paid the extra money for the special edition. I bought a, a $300 steering wheel, <laughs> pro, you know, semi-professional, <laughs> n- not semi-professional, pretty, pretty base model still. Cause many of them can get up to thousands of dollars and wow. all of that. <laughs> and the game is broken. It's broken. It's technically broken. It crashes. It locks up. The track just stops displaying. So you're just floating on air while you're driving. Wow. Uh, Are you P- playing this on Xbox or I'm playing PC? it on PC? Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, um, sort of custom built PC, and and yeah, it, it's baffling how bad how bad it. It was actually fine for the first like f- you know the early access period was actually when the problems were the least, and then. Uh, you know, somewhere between like maybe five or six days after it came out, it was just unbearable. Couldn't get into a multiplayer round and do some practice laps, and then it would crash on you. You go into wow. a single player and do something that wouldn't save your progress or lock up or you know any of those kinds of things. I'm really surprised it's not being covered more. Yeah, on, I haven't uh, heard anything about it, this. It's yeah. baffingly, baffing, baffingly bad <laughs> uh, uh, of of a, of a job and it's incredibly sloppy and they just came out with like a major patch which was supposed to fix, fix like 200 different bugs and stuff and uh it didn't fix 200 <laughs> bugs those wow. many of those bugs still seem to be in there depending on sort of your configuration for your pc uh so yeah i i a little heartbroken over that right now i'm sure with a month or two more maybe Fingers crossed we may actually have a, a, a good, stable sort of product that you felt good paying full money for. But right now it's just sort of just awful. Yeah, I, I mean. Disappointing, really. Not uh, to, to silver line it. I guess that is one of the like positives of where the industry is with like those patches that come out is the fact that like there is some amount of hope that mm. if a game when it comes out is a broken mess that it can hopefully get yeah. to not being a broken mess. But yeah, that, that is... is Still unfortunate to say the yeah, least. Yeah, that's that is true. Uh, uh, it, it definitely just sort of really destroys that first day video game feeling sure. of like, un, you know, yeah. Obviously, all of us had an experience where we actually unpacked a physical copy of a game mm-hmm. and put it in, and you know, and it was a good like that. That experience is yeah, more and I would more going gather away. snacks and mm-hmm. tell people in my house, be like, you won't see me for a few hours. <laughs> uh, you shouldn't see me? Yes. Like, stay out? Yes. <laughs> I was like, leave me alone. <laughs> and now you just log on. These days you just get on and all of a sudden you get a crash the first, you know, the first mm. time you load up a new game or, you know, after a while. So, and Or you're just, like, hoping, you know, you're kind of, like, worried the whole time that you're going to run into a bug if you if – you, just buy a game on day one. Do you know if the problems with Forza are exclusive to the PC version or is the Xbox version having similar issues? It seems like there are some issues sort of across both of them. And obviously there's, you know, what I'm getting from in terms of the scope of the issues is from different parts of the internet like Reddit and YouTube and, you know, different comment sections. So I don't have the data there, but it does seem like there are still some problems on Xbox, maybe not quite as many because, you know, the PC usually gets the short end of the of the stick in terms of development right. time when, when on PC ports sort of being launched um, right alongside some sort of console game. 
Um, but yeah, so that's that's what's going on with Forza. Put that away. Uh, so that was, <laughs> you know, that was just sort of heartbreaking. And but eventually it'll be fine, and I'll get back into it. Um, and so then I guess the other ones I've been playing. The, I guess the two less interesting ones have been uh, Hearthstone and World of Warcraft. Those are my sort of evergreen games that I <laughs> consistently sort of come back to. Um, I don't know if I have much to talk about there. That's, they're just <laughs> they're they're there. They're interesting, and maybe at some point I can I'll, I'll go on for like three or four hours talking about the, <laughs> how, this ga- how these games sort of unfurled. Uh, but for now, I would actually say the one I, I'm more excited about has been Star Citizen. I've been playing that for mm. PC. I don't know if if if. I know, I know we you said you've heard of it. Um, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. I, I hadn't heard heard about it until we talked about it two or three weeks ago. Yeah, and then we yeah we went out and you had mentioned it. The, yeah. This Star Citizen, the like big, the four hundred million dollar funded. Uh, yeah, maybe online more than shooter. That. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's been been in development for about eleven years now, <laughs> um, and I'd say the single player may come out in a year or two. <laughs> and the because they released that trailer, they said we're done, like feature wise. Yeah, like, feature complete is a you know. It, it means they're now in the polishing phase, which can still take uh, a year or two, maybe depending on sort of how well they want to do it. I think it took Bethesda like a year to polish Starfield into the state that it was when it came out. So right. we're still a ways off. Um, but then the the MMO comp- portion of it, we still maybe I would say maybe four years, five years, maybe wow. it's it's a. Uh, it's a monumental. I, I used to call. I used to say that the game was more of an experience because you, <laughs> you, you, than it, than it was a game because you get in, you get into this 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 universe and there's no loading screens and everything's sort of physically interactive and you're in this, uh, you know, everything's really to scale in terms of being able to get into this huge ship and fly out of this huge space station that's like miles and miles long and really be able to see all of that. But for a while, there wasn't much of a gameplay loop um, to actually do. Um, and and so it was really a technically impressive game. And then over time, they've sort of added more uh, more and more sort of gameplay features to it. Uh, but it still has a, a really, really long way to go. It's, uh, you know, if, if anyone has a PC, it's an interesting sort of... It's been an alpha for like five or six, seven years or something <laughs> like that. Mm-hmm. Um it's interesting if you if you ever feel like you want to jump into the early access version of it, because um, I really think it's something that is sort of pushing uh, te- the technical elements of video games to sort of new levels that we may never see again. Because it's it's not really a great business model, honestly. I can't <laughs> imagine can't imagine Bethesda sort of trying out Star Citizen in this kind of way, or right. another sort of publisher that wants to make a profit and sort of satisfy shareholders to. Uh, to really sort of make a game like this with with the wide scope and, and features and tech that it sort of has. So uh, this is Chris Roberts who did the Wing Commander games. Yeah, he did the Wing Commander. I never played those. It was a little bit before my time, but uh. heard heard obviously some amazing things about how the atmosphere of the game, even for, I don't know, was it was it DOS or something like that? I, I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, they um, definitely were DOS games to begin with. You know, and it really sort of brought that... I'm sure we all played Mass Effect here maybe mm-hmm. at some point, you know, brought that experience into like 1990s and sort of having that sense of like you have a, a ship and you have downtime and you you live in this ship and it feels like you lived in here and, you know, there you're in this world sort of there. Um, 
it was a it was a game that was probably you know uh, what's the word unheard of I guess for for the time and so yeah he took a I feel like he took like two decades of a break and then came back and said hey I have a GoFundMe page about <laughs> this video game and then it made yeah yeah half a billion dollars yeah uh, and sort of changed the game a little bit how do you make a half a billion dollar game I don't know I have no idea I'm glad it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, I feel like Star Citizen has really turned into, like, the ultimate example of the forever in development game, right? Like, when a few years ago, people were still comparing it to uh, something like Duke Nukem Forever, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Like, this game has been in development for a decade. Like, will this game ever come out? And now it just feels like, I don't know if I'll live long enough to see Star Citizen come out. <laughs> yeah, it, well, yeah, there is that on the on the flip side though it is playable like i yeah. can actually go and have a good time in this game even though there are bugs and there are servers that are really trying their hardest and sometimes failing and 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 a number of these sort of things but at least we have something to sort of play in the in the remaining sort of 5 years before the game comes out unlike just some of these other games that are just you keep hearing about them and you keep seeing a story or, or two or of video but you never actually get the product right um yeah it, it's 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 really interesting and, and in this case i feel like it's it's pushing boundaries in ways that we haven't quite seen in video games um and that single player portion is it's like squadron 22 or something 42 but yes 42 yes. okay I, um, who knows i knew yeah. i had the number wrong <laughs> it, could be, it couldn't yeah i don't know what the numbers represent or symbolize uh what's the answer for everything yeah yeah yeah, that's right that's right that might be it um but i know that new trailer they released when it went feature complete and everything they released a new trailer for and it looks really impressive from that i mean even just that part which is really kind of just a first person shooter mostly i mean you it does have flying around portions in it but it's not the like huge scale of the main game um it it looked pretty impressive so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited to see that come out. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. It's been a it's been a long time, and 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 I think one of the exciting things that's a little less flashy is now that the Squadron Forty Two is sort of being entering into polishing phase. A lot more of the development team sort of going into the MMORPG sort of element of it. So we may actually see quite a lot more movement on there. Um, maybe next time I'm here, if I'm ever here again, I can give you an update. (laughs) No, I'm happy to talk to somebody who's actually played it because it's, I may play it tonight. They just came out with a big (laughs) in-game convention where they're giving away ships for free for, for like three days. So I get to go to a big convention and get a bunch of free ships. (laughs) So you're not going to NCA, you're going to this. (laughs) (laughs) That is exactly why I skipped NCA. There's... I don't it's like IAE, which I don't actually know what it means, but yeah, it's a it's a, it's a it's a fun weekend in Star Citizen. That's cool. Um, I, I'm glad to hear like a positive firsthand account from that game because I feel like on the outside it it feels only negative news that comes out about it for the most part, and but like there's there's so many people pouring money into that game to get to mm-hmm. half a billion dollars or six hundred million, mm-hmm. whatever it's at now. People must be having a positive experience. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, nobody's putting that much money into a game that they're not enjoying. Yeah, I know. Bubsy three. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I only paid probably like 
altogether like seventy dollars to get into the to the to the the alpha, uh, and that's when you you buy into the game. You're sort of buying your the ship that you start off with, and mm. then you can earn money and get all the other ships in game and, and stuff. Uh, but there are there's an unreleased ship that is three thousand dollars. Oh wow! Uh, there is a there is a re- there is a released ship that I've walked around in that's seven hundred and fifty, um, and yeah, these are. It, it, it's sort of weird because it's like uh, it's much easier to just pay for them in in the game and earn some money in the game to to rather than paying at least in my head seven hundred and fifty dollars for a ship you know just rather grind out like twenty hours or something and <laughs> and and have it uh, anyway I, uh, yeah it's it's fascinating I'm, I'm I probably could go on but maybe 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 we have other news to get to and <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> Well, I mean, we should definitely have you back sometime to talk more about Star Citizen. Just that game alone, I I, I could listen to quite a long talk about because I'm really fascinated it by really it. It really is something else. It is. Um, all right. Um, well, I uh, I started playing a game called Thirsty Suitors. I see that in the notes. Yeah. <laughs> um, thirsty Suitors. And so is this an anime dating That's game? That's what I was just thinking. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> Yes, this is Gal Guardians has turned. It's, it's a gateway drug that Gal Guardians. Um, so yeah, so Thirsty Suitors. Um, once I started playing, I've heard like lots of positive word about this game. So once I started playing, I realized, oh wait, this is a game I saw during one of the um, one of the shows. I think it was one of the Xbox uh, mm-hmm. shows that they actually showed a trailer for this. This is a very difficult game to describe. Uh, I don't know the right way to describe this game. So it is one part of about 20 different genres. So there is a visual novel aspect to this game. So there is an aspect where you are talking and choosing lines of dialogue. And so the game begins, you are inside your character's head, and you have this up. So you play this uh, Indian woman who is bisexual, um, and that matters because it becomes part of the plot and everything of the game. Um, but like to begin with, she, you are in this like ethereal place where you, you are jumping on a skateboard and skating from like platform to platform and like this you know sort of uh, nebulous space and this giant vision of this other woman is talking to you, which slowly reveals to be your sister, but it's your vision of your sister that you, that is for your internal voice in your head. And so she is a like sort of weird version of your sister and your sister at one point pops up and starts talking to you. And then your mom pops up at, and mom and dad pop up at one point and start talking to you. And then your ex-girlfriend pops up at one point and starts like talking to you. And while you're doing this, you're responding to them like um, you're getting these prompts like, hey, you go on a first date and um, the person's really boring. What do you do? And it's like I, you know, cut loose and run or I just tough it out or, um, you know, things work out magically and we fall in love. And (laughs) so then at the end, it, it tells you, well, you're this kind of romantic partner. So that's the intro to this game. And it, it's very weird. And like I said, you're skateboarding. Uh-huh. So it's like Tony Hawk. You're like, yeah, that's what I was just looking at. That's yeah. what I was thinking is it's like uh, almost like a Tony Hawk does shrooms or something. <laughs> yeah. So you're grinding from one platform to another. 
So then all of that happens. And then you like cut to, you're on this bus, you get off this bus, you're back in your hometown. And now all of a sudden you're just walking around in your hometown and you walk into this diner and you walk into the diner, you can talk to people and you can choose how you interact with them. So it takes on like this RPG element. You're walking around in a town and talking to different characters. You go into the diner, you sit down and your boyfriend from third grade shows up. <laughs> And he is hitting on you, and then your response to that is to dance fight him. <laughs> so Relate. it's That's relatable. Uh huh. It turns into this turn-based role-playing game at that point, but it's very like Mario RPG. So you're having to time your mm. attacks and everything. Um, but the voice in your head that is taking on the visage of your sister is this entire time like arguing with you and like um, what did you ever see in this loser? And you're like, oh, he's not that bad. And then you have to choose like when he makes a like hits on you, how are you going to respond? Are you going to flirt back with him? Or are you going to be mean? And so this guy's like hitting on you and you're like, but in a very comical way, this is all done very comically. And like, you're just being like incredibly cruel back to him. <laughs> And so then you're fighting, and at one point, the voice in your head says, this guy's really, like, uh, putting out toxic masculinity. And <laughs> you know what you could do to really, like, uh, get the advantage is to send him into a rage. And so then you do a rage taunt, and he goes in. He goes through this big cinematic and everything where he, like, rips open his shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and... It's the most insane game when you're playing it. Dude, I just watched the trailer on on uh, Scott's phone, and it the ending tagline was, Battle your exes, disappoint your parents, thirsty suitor. So uh, I will say it's all voice acted, uh, except some of the stuff where you're interacting with the townspeople. But, like, all the main stuff is voice acted. Um, and the voice acting is amazingly good. So Annapurna Interactive published this game, and they've been really good about getting, like, quality voice acting into these games. So, like, they were getting, like, Bryce Dallas Howard in one of their games wow. and stuff like that, getting, like, you know, known actors. The actors are very good. Um, and, yeah, so it ends after you beat him, which that drags on a little longer than I was maybe entertained with. Uh, but it it keeps having unique dialogue as it drags on. So, you know, like it's not just repetitive, um, but it ends with you defeat him. And so you make amends with him at the end. And he's like, okay, I've come to terms with, we're never going to fall in love. We're good with each other. And so then he leaves and you go off. And when he leaves, he goes off and like, you see him meeting with this, like, um, sort of silhouetted group of people and they're all talking and he's like, oh, she's back in town. You know what that means? And they go, yeah, we need to like put an end to like, we really need to get our revenge on her. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. We don't need to get revenge. I was thinking we could all be friends. You know, that, that would be great. <laughs> so it's like he's actually changed. But like then it reveals that they're all your exes. And so, like, you're going to have to battle them all, which is very, like, Scott Pilgrim. Was, yeah. That's what I was that's just what thinking, I, yeah. Same. That's what I just saw as I was looking at it. it this is the game to play for Scott Pilgrim fans. Mm. Yeah, this is the, um, 
<laughs> this is like the woke Scott Pilgrim game, <laughs> I guess, because it's the uh, Indian uh, bisexual like main character in it, and um, it you know like what I've played of it so far is so bizarre, so weird that it's it just kind of charmed me. And I don't know if I can keep playing through it. Uh, I don't know if I'll keep up through the entire game. But what I've played so far is incredibly charming. Again, the voice acting goes a long way to that uh, because the voice acting is actually really good. Um, And I come from a background of remembering when early games that had voice acting was always terrible because it was like you got, you know, Bill from accounting to come in and do one of the voices. (laughs) And this... This goes a long way in this game uh, to making it something more compelling as you're playing through. Um, And it's just so goofy and so silly that it just sort of charms you. And I don't know if it can keep that up over the length of an entire game, but at least that introduction part of the game, um, I was the entire time sitting there like, okay, I I just kind of want to see where they go with this next because they keep going in the most goofy ways. One of the ways that you attack him and you like lower his self-esteem is you have your mom come out and yell at him. And so like you're like doing summons attacks like you would in a Final Fantasy game and your mom comes out and she's like disapproving of him. And he's like, parents always love me. Like, I don't understand. Um, It's just a like fantastic game. Um, And, you know, like I, it's my understanding is that there are cooking parts of the game where you have to cook. And so, like, you're cooking, like, traditional Indian dishes in those parts. So, um, yeah, just, like, a neat a neat game. Like, something wow. we talk about on here a lot of times. We get the same types of games over and over. This is the type of game that you go, okay, well, like, I've never played this before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, maybe has something kind of in common with Earthbound, and that's this goofy domestic role-playing game. <laughs> but, like, it's also... Tony Hawk, and it's also all this other goofy stuff. Well, and then Parappa the Rapper with that type of battling you talked about with, like, dance battling. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you just keep going, well, what are they going to work in here next, right? (laughs) And what are you playing this on? Uh, I was playing it on uh, PC uh, via Xbox Game Pass. So it is on Game Pass. So Mm -hmm. if you subscribe to Game Pass, this is on there. You can play it free. Um, I think it's worth trying. Like, even if it doesn't sound like your kind of game exactly, just to see it, just to see this, like, crazy thing. Like, at least get up and see that first battle because it's something worth seeing. (laughs) Maybe every year there's a playing some long game while I go home over winter break, and so maybe this will be a going home for winter break game. Yeah. Yeah. I could see uh, it being really entertaining for a lot of people. Um, All right, that does it for what we've been playing. Let's move on and talk about the news. There's quite a bit of news this week. Um, First thing is, so OJ is not here this week, but OJ has talked about this previously. Um, Mortal Kombat 1 offered $10 Halloween uh, fatality DLC. So there was a a fatality, a single fatality you could pay $10 for, for Halloween, in which I, I believe it's you like st- stick a it. pumpkin on the yeah. person's head. You stick a pumpkin on somebody's head, and it's like a maggot-filled pumpkin, and then you fall down, and then the person kicks your head. Uh, 
to um, a, a random like front door that looks like it's decorated for Halloween, and the the pumpkin bursts open, and the person's head is there. <laughs> <laughs> so appropriately, like gruesome for Mortal Kombat, um, and apparently a lot of people kind of were annoyed by this and felt like it was kind of a ripoff at ten dollars. So mm-hmm. um, Warner Brothers has come out and said, "Well, we're going to give you." Uh, Two additional free fatalities mm-hmm. with this um, to, you know, try to make the value proposition, mm-hmm. I guess, work out better for it's people. It's the holiday package is what I saw, and it's like a Thanksgiving-themed one. I'm like, okay, great. Now what are they going to do with the turkey? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the winter one that's that's supposed to be coming out soon. So, <laughs> so I, I assume we'll get something like turkey basting <laughs> with one of the characters, and then I don't know, maybe something with a snowman. Yeah, yeah. I guess it probably wouldn't be Christmas themed. But I'm thinking like a grandma got run over by a reindeer. Type uh, of. Yeah. Oh, I was yeah. Thinking, <laughs> I was thinking like a snowblower. Like oh, oh. Snowblower. there you go. <laughs> I love how we're just like, like thinking about what are the ways you can die in the snow. <laughs> like, <laughs> the most terrible crazy? ways. <laughs> Um, yeah, it seems like they could do a whole pack of just Christmas ones <laughs> with what we just came up with. Yeah. You're welcome, Warner Brothers. And they should do the uh, Christmas vacation one with the cat <gasps> under the tree. Yeah. Have it, drop it on uh, Sub-Zero and he gets electrocuted <laughs> under the tree. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, this is, you know, this is something I think we we still see arguments over, like, what is the value of a piece of DLC um, you know, what should a fatality, if we're going to sell fatalities as downloadable content, what should that cost? What will the market pay for it? Obviously, a lot of the market said $10 is too much. But, you know, like, I, I don't know what how much work it takes to make a, a fatality, right? If this mm-hmm. is additional work they're doing after the game, they're having to keep people on it. Yeah, I mean, it's, at this point, you figure it, it's 333 for a fatality if you're getting two additional ones for that $10. Right. Which... It's better, I guess. Yeah. I'm not a Mortal Kombat person, so it still seems like a lot, but uh, you know, I, I they're at least entertaining to to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I mean, I think the challenge is always it's ten dollars. That's half of another game in a mm-hmm. lot of cases. Mm-hmm. You know, with all the indie games out. So, uh, I was just trying to think of. Uh, I was gonna ask uh, OJ if if it looks funny on the Switch. Cause I, cause I think like, he did talk about yeah, it. We did talk week. about it. I, I don't remember if it was a before or after, if it was actually during the episode, but we definitely did talk about it. Yeah. yeah. I just remember like how bad that they were saying the graphics were. And I was like, oh man, wish I could see the pumpkin and maggot. <laughs> they, said the it, they said it was like a gummy worms. <gasps> like it was very polygon-y. <laughs> it's not... Not like the version yeah. you're being seen in trailers. Yeah. yeah. Right. Is that the main way OJ plays Mortal Kombat 1 is through uh, the uh, Switch? That's, yeah, that's I'm, the I'm version. So, I'm so sorry, OJ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, there have been rants on here from OJ mm-hmm. about mistakenly buying that version and not realizing. It was an accident. Well, it was a birthday gift. It was a birthday gift, and I, I want to say they knew that it was not going to be as good. They didn't realize it was going to be that, that not all. good. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, right, I think OJ thought it was going to be like Doom on the Switch, where it's a little lower frame rate and a little less graphical detail, but it's still recognizable as Doom. Right. And 
from the footage that has been shown, this is not recognizable as Mortal Kombat in a lot of situations. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, we yeah. S- we see that a lot with Switch, where the first-party titles are just amazing, right? Like Super Mario RPG, and then the third-party titles, maybe 25% of them are pretty decent after an update or two, mm-hmm. and then the rest of them are aches a little bit you know? and yeah i was talking about dead by daylight last time i was on and it's on the switch and i have it on the switch i will not play it anymore because it's just especially after you play it on pc or playstation anything it's, else yeah your <laughs> <It's>, toaster <laughs> <laughs> yeah at least then i get to eat while i eat yeah, that just <laughs> seems like the i mean i guess it would be the same thing with mortal kombat the online and nintendo mm-hmm. is not known for it's online yep. sure and uh Either of those just seem like it would be really difficult to enjoy. That's the most frustrating part about it is like I because and I've I've done it where I've been sitting in the living room playing and the person I'm playing with is playing on PlayStation right next to me and the killer will be somewhere close to me and I can't even hear them because on my it hasn't registered yet. Mm. So, Mm. yeah, it's it's frustrating. And and I mean, and and that those are big games. I remember watching somebody play mario maker too mm. like the race you know the you could like race through levels yeah, yeah. online and you got certain levels depending on who you were playing against it was somebody's internet i assume as you know the joke somebody's playing on the mcdonald's wi-fi <laughs> uh is a, you're watching a powerpoint mm-hmm. you know with how right much you're getting yep. from like the choppiness of it mm-hmm. i think part of that is probably 99% of switches are playing via Wi-Fi mm-hmm. versus in a lot of cases, you know, certainly with a PC, people have a, a hardwired connection mm-hmm. there. Um, and oftentimes with an Xbox or PlayStation, they're also using a, a Ethernet connection. And so, you know, most people don't have fast enough Wi-Fi at home to really get sure. a good you know, competitive like connection. Yeah. Oh, I totally under understand it. I I think that's also partially on Nintendo as well. But uh, no, it, it makes sense that the Wi-Fi is the way that most people are playing it, especially something like a Mario Maker where people are not playing that game competitively. Although mm-hmm. I imagine Dead by Daylight's probably the same way that mostly, yeah. yeah. There's really like Dead by Daylight comp stuff is really only. I mean, it's been around for a while, but it's only just now starting to gain popularity. And so, yeah, most people are just playing it for funsies. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. Hades is coming to iOS as a Netflix exclusive. So if, if you didn't know, if you subscribe to Netflix, you can play all sorts of games on your uh, Apple device um, as part of their game initiative. And now they're bringing Hades there. So, you know, a game that was many people's game of the year a couple of years back. Um, so this is, uh, you know, this seems like this is a free bonus on top of your Netflix description. So this is no additional cost or anything. Yeah, I, I, when I saw the head, the, the Hades, the, when you say Hades coming to iOS as Netflix exclusive, I was like, is Hades being a Netflix show? I didn't quite, I, I forgot. <laughs> that for would a make minute. a lot of yeah, sense. <laughs> I, for, I forgot for a minute that, that Netflix games was a thing. And then I, I looked on the Netflix game list and I quickly realized why I didn't realize it was a thing where, <laughs> you know, there's 
a lot of a lot of shovelware on the on the platform, and maybe at best a few niche titles that you know some people like. Like I saw Kentucky Route Zeroes on there, and like a Valiant Hearts, where you play a little, I guess you play a little like dog in the military, right? Where you go <laughs> through it, and it's cute. Uh, but yeah, nothing. It, it was one of those things of like, yeah, yeah, this, this is actually seems to be the first sort of big, big, impressive title that is actually coming to Netflix games. Um, I, I think it's their biggest, certainly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, kind of just a just a note there about that and everything, because we've been talking about this over the last, I feel, two years of doing this podcast, is Netflix has slowly dipped their toe more and more into this. Um I think the thing that a lot of people keep bringing up is this is neat and all, but at what point do they make that jump to where your Roku can play these games, Mm -hmm. right? Like that seems like where Netflix starts being taken more seriously because, you know, a game like Hades is really good. I don't know that I want to play that on my phone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's, I think... Obviously, I think it's limited to iOS partially because somebody's paying a lot of money for exclusivity. And, right. and then I think the other reason is uh, iPhones are typically a little bit more powerful than your standard, just like able to play Roku sort of smart TV and, and all those kinds of things. Sure. Um, yeah, definitely. So you're able to do that. Um, I did think it was also in- sort of interesting where, you know, the gaming subscriptions that we're seeing and a lot of things are typically not doing so well in terms of of uh sony subscription model they just announced a lot of cutbacks there's obviously a number of of stories sort of following the story of of other of other gaming services or publishers having to sort of cut things and you know is uh is a is a even if it's a game of the year like a two or three year old game is this sort of the best thing that netflix games has been able Mm -hmm. to sort of snag as a uh, as part of its platform, I don't, I don't know if that really bodes so well for, for Netflix games or for maybe for the subscription model stuff in general. You know? Mm. Yeah, it's always hard to know. Like, what is Netflix's long term plan mm-hmm. with this? Right? Like, what do they want to accomplish with this? Because they are dipping their toe, and it's you know, there's a slow trickle of games. It, they're not developing a whole lot of like exclusive games. Like we're not getting a big stranger things, RPG coming out of this. Right. Uh, which is what you would think. Like they're going to make games of their properties of the mm-hmm. movies and TV shows that they're making. So like, where do they want this to be? Is Do they view this as just another incentive to get people to keep their subscription to Netflix instead of canceling, you know, and coming back in six months and watching everything that you missed. Um, like what's the incentive for them as a company? And that's been the question with a lot of these subscription services and people kind of dipping their toes into games. That was certainly the question with Google when they Mm -hmm. did the whole Stadia thing and that flamed out really quickly. I had a subscription to Stadia. Did you? Uh, Yeah, it was, I mean, it was, it was okay. Uh, Sometimes it was hard to, uh, like uh, almost like the switch and Wi-Fi situation where sometimes games just wouldn't load properly. Um, and then the fact that you have to have like the special controller and stuff sometimes was frustrating because I lose things. Um, but I mean, it was a way that uh, I played a lot of division division two. Mm. Um, and so it was a way that I could play it um, mobily, I guess, or like, like uh, where I didn't have to be at my PC or at my PlayStation to do it. Yeah, the the cool 
premise that they pitch when they announce Stadia that they never got around to, that I always thought was like the coolest thing, was that, hey, you're going to go on YouTube and you're going to see a game being played and there's going to be a play button right Mm -hmm. under there and you're going to not just start playing the game but jump into that game that's currently going on. Mm -hmm. And like that premise of taking streaming, you know, uh, to that next level of where, you know, you could be sitting in your office here at work and jump right into a game for 10 minutes and, and play. Um, they just never even got anywhere near that. Oh no. (laughs) And that was like such a cool, like futuristic idea for the way games would be Mm -hmm. played. Um, let's see. Um, Caitlin Deaver has been rumored to play Abby in the last of us season two. Um, Caitlin Deaver is, um, you know, she did was the movie's book smart. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she was also in, um, uh, the musical Dara Van Hansen. Mm-hmm. Um, she's done a lot of different things. Um, I mean, she's been kind of an actress for like, since she was a real young little kid. Um, she was unjustified when she was very mm-hmm. young. Um, so, she is apparently rumored to take on this role. Abby, if you have played the game, is the sort of major role mm-hmm. in Last of Us 2. Um, so that's the setup for uh, Season 2 and everything. Um, I don't know. I don't know if any of you are familiar with the game, yeah. familiar with Caitlin Deaver, what you think of this casting. I mean, Booksmart was, was really – she did a good job in that, and I thought that that movie was really great. Uh, and, yeah, Abby has to be on point uh, in order for it to – to work because yeah she basically takes the the yeah the like you said the main protagonist role i think i think it'll it'll do well especially like because she's been acting for so long she definitely even though she's young will have the maturity to take on a role like this i think um to me i think a a bigger thing with with uh last of us is going to be who they replace the ellie is bella with Mm -hmm. Just because of there's a lot of folks that were upset that because of the games the 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 time change in the game that she's not going to be able to play Ellie because she's too young. Mm. Yeah, um, they are saying they're going to start filming that at the beginning of next year. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I have not heard anything about recasting it at mm-hmm. this point. Yeah. So I don't know if they're going to or they're just going to go with her. I mean, I hope they do because I thought she did. A great job she was she was she, very good at she it. did so good i'm um, definitely um captured the spirit of how i saw ellie like play, being played in the game so but yeah i think i think this casting with abby is 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 a good choice yeah i, I really like caitlin deaver um i mean i think justified was probably the first thing i ever saw her in and then you know seeing her well, i don't know she's got to be in her early 20s now mm-hmm. i would assume um, but seeing her in something like Booksmart, which is, if you have not seen it, it's like one of those overlooked, just like really great comedies. Yep. Uh, like, re- you know, it's in the title, but it's very smart with a lot of the things that that film does. Uh, and she's quite, gr- uh, quite good in it. Um, so I, I, I at least like her as an actress. So, I, you know, I'm willing to like see how mm-hmm. she can do in the role. For sure. Um, let's see. Uh, PlayStation Portal has sold out. Uh, Sony is telling people, hey, uh, we'll have more stock soon. Um, so the PlayStation Portal is their streaming only uh, that it will not 
stream games online, but it will stream games from your local PlayStation 5. So if you have a PlayStation 5, you can buy this handheld that will only stream games directly from your PlayStation 5. It does nothing else. In Wi-Fi, not out. Yeah, with Wi-Fi. Um, so we've talked about this on here before. We've all been kind of a little confused about, like, what is what is the use case of this? Because it's a $200, you know, thing to buy. So you buy the $500 PlayStation, you're spending another $200 on this. Um, Mario, I know you have argued that, like, there is a use case with families where, like, people are... Yeah, that's, I mean, like I said, the way I see it is if you have, like, one television. Like, I think about, like, in my apartment. If I had another person living in my apartment, you know, and somebody wanted to watch something on the television, and I want to play something while, you know, but, like, we can sit in the room together. um, Like, that's the way that you could do it. Or, you know, somebody is watching something. It, It doesn't matter what. And somebody want doesn't isn't as interested in that, but still wants to have you know sort of the physical closeness, I guess. Uh, like that's the way that that I see it. Or with yeah, families, um, you know, the, there's something on the TV, and little Greg wants to play whatever. Well, we have a lot of people, you know, coming up. It's Christmas time, so we're going to have a lot of people watching the Hallmark Christmas movie. Sure. And there's going <laughs> to be somebody who does not want to watch that. No. But still has to be in the room. <laughs> my mom, my stepdad and I, as my mom watches those movies. <laughs> and so, like, at least one of you can be playing the PlayStation yeah. via the portal. Like, no wonder you thought of it, Mario. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, then we quickly move, you know, into college football playoffs and sure. then, you know, college basketball uh, and the NFL playoffs beginning of next year. And so you can see... The reverse of that in a lot of cases. Somebody's yeah. wanting to watch the big game and somebody's wanting something else to do but, like, be in the room with them, right? And mm-hmm. this allows for that to happen. Yeah, I mean, that that was before Hallmark. That was the example that, that I thought. I was like, oh, if I want to watch the game and so-and-so wants to play whatever, they, they can do that. Or so if I, you want to do both. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, I guess, yeah, if you want to multitask, you could certainly do that that too. I have ADHD. Uh, so. <laughs> um, it's funny that, that this was on here because I want to say it was, like I said, I was up late playing Super Mario RPG, and so I, I was scrolling through Twitter, and it was like 2 or 3 in the morning. I was getting the updates on Twitter, like, Best Buy is going to have the portal in stock or such and such and such. And so I was like, dang, there, we uh, did not see the... <laughs> hype as as other people did i guess when did the playstation portal come out it, it just came out months ago no exactly. it just came out like oh, okay. just in the last week or two oh i didn't even think it was it was that new oh, okay yeah so maybe guess, it was it got announced i guess a few months ago right, during yeah. the big playstation state of play or whatever it's called so sony really sort of uh touting that they're selling out of this brand new console that we don't even have any kind of sales figures for seems like it's sort of congratulating just sort of self-congratulating is that right word there uh itself (laughs) there was probably a lot of people that were like us that were like what do you do with this like this is not gonna sell well it doesn't make sense and so it might even be a we're gonna announce this so more people buy it kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I think the other thing is, is I didn't think the cost was all that much. I mean, like it is definitely like you, you got to have, but like 
there are people that have that kind of disposable yeah. income. Um, so I, I, I can also understand it from, from that point. When I first saw the price point, I didn't think it was as egregious as some of the other things that we saw. Consider like compared to like PlayStation VR, which is obviously mm-hmm. a completely different thing. Right. But, uh, you know, because that's like a, that's like a, I guess if you're including the fact that you have to have a PlayStation 5 in order to like really make a PlayStation portal work. It's what seven hundred dollars, but I guess I didn't think that price point was as high as I would have anticipated. Um, and yeah, I think there's just a lot of people with disposable income, mm. and games are important to people. And yeah, so yeah. Well, it's how much is how much is a controller? Like sixty, seventy bucks. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's so true. so it's already that. So it, I mean, it's it's a controller itself, and so maybe maybe people justify it like that. If like I'm getting yeah. another controller already, and I have a tiny screen. <laughs> With a battery, and you know, that, yeah. well, and it literally is just another dual sense controller. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like they split one of those in half and stuck a screen between it. Yeah, and and I I think the other thing, the other use point of it is, you know, I know you've talked about it with, uh, you know, sort of like buying and enjoying the Steam Deck or like the popularity of like the portability of the Switch. Granted, you can't take this with you, but just the like lying in bed playing a game. Yeah, you don't have to have it set up to. If your PlayStation is set up as sort of your main entertainment system, I mean, it says it does everything at this point. It, you know, can do Netflix and Hulu and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Sure. I understand if that's in like the main room of an apartment or, or a house um, that this allows you to, to also enjoy that portably it, to an extent. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point because my PlayStation 5 is in my living room, Mm -hmm. right? But when I'm in bed at night, I'm playing Switch or the Steam Deck Mm -hmm. because I can lie in bed and hold that, (laughs) you know, and play it. And as you were talking about with Tetris Effect, I can hopefully not fall asleep because if that Steam Deck falls on my face, (laughs) I have a broken nose. And and second degree burns. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, all sorts of injuries. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I mean... I see that, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I think the cost to trade off for that is a little too much for me personally, but I, I can't blame anyone else for feeling like it, it does make uh, sense to them. So I think they'll probably be hard to find going through Christmas. So if you really want one, you know, get on Twitter at 2 in the morning because <laughs> apparently that's where you can find them in stock. Small story point. I did wait. Back in 2005, I waited 14 hours in line outside of Best Buy for an Xbox 360. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. I did. I did. <laughs> and then it ring, red ringed of death oh, me like course. three months oh. later. Oh, God. <laughs> like every single Xbox sure. 360. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't think I, I... I never waited the overnight for a game console launch. I did do that. Well, okay, so I have friends who are still mad at me about this. <laughs> When and this is my nerdiness, when Episode One came out of Star Wars, um, when that came out, some of my friends were like, "We're gonna do the camping out and be first in line to buy tickets and everything." And I was like, "Okay," and they were like, "Do you want us to get you a ticket?" And I was like, "Sure, get me a ticket." And then our friend Sarah uh, wanted to go too. And I was like, "Hey, can you get Sarah a ticket?" And they were like, "Yeah." And so. Then, like, the night of the film, like, here we come strolling up, and we're like, you got our tickets? <laughs> They're like, yeah, we've been here all night. <laughs> and I was like, well, you offered. It's not like we demanded you get us tickets. 
So I did go to like the first screening, at least locally, for to see episode one of Star Wars, but I didn't wait all night for that. <laughs> um, and like I said, I still have some friends who are bitter about that. And that's been, what, over 20 years at this point. <laughs> Um, it, you don't get that as much anymore. I, I guess just hardware. Like you don't get it with software. It used to be like when Madden would come out, people would line up and wait. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, opening night for Madden, like games, uh, yeah. GameSpot, GameStop, excuse me, um, would actually open their doors at midnight to sell mm-hmm. Madden football. And now everybody just buys it digitally. And oh, that's how I got my Switch. I got my Switch at like twelve oh one. Oh really? <laughs> when it came out, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I definitely remember. Uh, friends that I went to community college with, we would go to the local GameStop and we got whatever generation of Pokemon it was, X and Y, I want I want to say, and the Smash Bros, mm. the Wii U 3DS Smash Bros. We we de- definitely did both of those for midnight releases. I had a colleague at my previous job who um, one day he was like, you want to go to a movie? And I was like, yeah, sure, let's go to a movie. And then he said, um, so are you playing uh, the new Elden Ring, or not Elden Ring, um, the, the Skyrim? And I said, no. And he said, oh. He said, well, I went to Walmart when it like at midnight to buy it and the other night. And I said, oh, really? He said, yeah. I thought about calling you. Then I thought, no, he'll think I'm dumb. <laughs> That's <laughs> I said, funny. I said, I would have went with you. <laughs> I said, I wasn't going to probably buy it, but I would have just went and hung out. Um. Let's see. Uh, so we talked about PlayStation Portal uh, Pyrowash Simulator, which is a uh, been a personal favorite. Hey, it, it's an nope. it's an amazing game. <laughs> I looked it up after looking at this agenda, and I was like, "Oh, there's one I gotta get." So no, no hate <laughs> at all. <laughs> Alicia can talk to you a lot about it because her mom apparently works at a factory that makes and sells power washers, and so. When we first started talking about this, she was like, I have a lot of problems with this game and its accuracy. <laughs> the type of power washer that would be used on particular It's, it's more Simcade than it is right. a simulator. <laughs> I, I tried to explain that to her. She did play it, and she said, okay, after you get past like the first level, it gets much more accurate. <laughs> But it's one of those things that I love about video games is you get somebody who knows like way more than you'll ever know about this particular topic. Right. And they have a a very strong opinion about it. Um, So anyways, they've been doing um, all sorts of DLC for this. Uh, Most of it free, but they did some for Final Fantasy uh, VII in particular. They did some for Tomb Raider. SpongeBob was one I saw. Oh, yeah. Yeah, SpongeBob. Mm-hmm. And so now they've announced that they have DLC for Back to the Future. Um, this is going to be $10 for five stages. So, like, they did show off images of what those were. So one of them's obviously the DeLorean. One of them's the... the clock Tower. Yeah. The One's clock. the train from the third it, movie. Is right. it all three movies represented here? Um, yes, just and the then first one. Uh, one is, I think the fifth one is the the the, it, the the show that has like the... Yeah, it's the Jaws yes. 7 in uh, part mm-hmm. two. Mm-hmm. They have the hollow theater. Yes. You know, the shark comes down and tries to eat Marty. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going to clean that. I don't know if it'll have the hologram. Well, it does. It does. I does saw it. Yeah, okay. once you clean it, it, it like it... it like cuts over to you and you look scared and the jaws comes out and tries to eat you. <laughs> okay, that's cool. 
Okay, that that made me made you buy this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's interesting that we're talking about this ten dollar DLC that is five stages of content, and our lead story was the ten dollars for oh, sure. three seconds of a of an animation. You know, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Interesting there in terms of the value that you're probably getting for that ten dollars. Yeah, and and the base Power Wash Simulator game has a ton of content in it. So, like, I've talked a lot on this podcast about it, but I'll just say again, like, it's a great podcast game. It's a great game to play while you're listening to something else Mm -hmm. in the background, audio book, whatever it might be. Um, And, you know, it's very sort of calming and relaxing, and um, you don't think it'll be a good game, but it's actually pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, what, $20 of a base game, basically, too, right? Yeah, probably Something now. Like yeah, it's it's pretty cheap. I think it it was on. Um, I think it's Game on, Pass. I think it's still on Game Pass, but okay. I, don't quote me on that. So yeah, amazing that we're not just getting like different colored power washers for this game, and yeah. you know, having those be, and you know, DLC packs or something. Yeah, and the DLC that they did for free was substantial. I mean, like the. The Tomb Raider stuff, the Final Fantasy stuff was substantial DLC, and they gave that away free. So, And those are things people would buy. And I wonder if that's right. part of it is, like, Final Fantasy, there are people, it doesn't matter what it is. I mean, if they play Power Wash Simulator, they would have spent $10 on sure. whatever you washed out of Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and, and so I wonder if that's better. Like, okay, well, these two were really successful, so, you know, and Back to the Future, even though it's however old of a franchise, you know, there's people still really love that series of films. So yeah. people my age will buy Back to the Future stuff. I would consider buying. I I don't even have Power Wash Simulator, but like really cool. this is something <laughs> that would that would get me to to buy it as well. Um, yeah, so check that out when that comes out. I don't know there was a release date. I didn't see a release date, but they have announced it, so it must be fairly soon. I'm thinking. Um, Amazon has announced that they are laying off uh, 180 from their games division um, and refocusing on the free games for Amazon Prime. Um, If you don't know, if you have Amazon Prime, their yearly subscription service, which is now like $140 a year or something, um, that's what gets you the free shipping and everything through them. Um, If you have that, they give you free games every month. Um, that you can um, go through their site and claim. And they have pretty decent games on there. Uh, They're usually games that are a year old or something, but, like, you know, you can build up a pretty decent collection through them. Um, They say they're refocusing on that. 180 people laid off from their games division. Obviously, Amazon has been making some games. They also have the Luna service, which was their sort of version of Stadia as a... uh, streaming service to play games though i have not heard anything about luna in a long time so i think it might just be dead i've never heard of it this is yeah (laughs) (laughs) this is a problem that uh, people who are into video games uh, you know are not hearing from the biggest retailer in the world that they have this video game Mm -hmm. streaming service um and this is i mean i will say just have some personal connection to this I remember, so as I was waiting to hear back from PhD programs, I guess about 18 to 20 months ago, um, and I got waitlisted to the ones that I'd applied to, as I was looking for jobs, 
a lot of like Amazon game within their game studio, there was a lot of uh, job calls that were being put out for that. And so it's really, and there were a number that I had looked at that I considered applying to. And um, so it's, it's unfortunate to see that. Yeah. I mean, not that obviously that's who is being laid off, but that there's these, I don't know, 180 people feels like a significant amount of people. Any amount of people feels like a significant amount of people, especially if you're that person. But uh, um, it's it's disappointing to see. It always is. But Yeah, I mean, we've got another story right here we're going to talk about yeah. with more layoffs. Um, this has been an, an ongoing concern over the last six or so months in the game industry, a huge amount of layoffs. And so when you start looking at it, right, like getting laid off from one publisher – is um, certainly upsetting and can be, you know, certainly traumatic for people losing their job. But the the hope has traditionally been, I lose my job, there's other places I can go get a job. Right now, it doesn't feel that way in the game industry mm-hmm. for a lot of people, is my assumption. Um, so Amazon laid off 180. Uh, Embracer, um, everybody's favorite game conglomerate, who just owns half of everything yeah, at this point. everything, right. Uh, they have announced that they have written down 15 projects. So uh, I'm not an accountant, but my understanding is when you write something down, it's you're sort of writing off the loss for it and saying we're going to just scrap this and we're going to take a loss on it, but we're taking less of a loss by you know, canning it now. This is basically the same thing that... Uh, Warner Brothers was doing with their movies, the Batgirl movie and um, the uh, Coyote versus Acme movie we talked about uh, last week on the podcast. So um, so they've done that for 15 different projects. That's across all their different studios that they own. Uh, they say further studio closures are planned. And as part of this, it came out that 900 employees have been let go from Embracer in the last quarter alone. Um, so remember they went on that big buying spree, buying up all sorts of different studios, things like crystal dynamics. They bought up the rights to the Lord of the Rings as movies and television. So they're like working and, uh, and video games. So they were working on making new Lord of the Rings games and movies and stuff. And they are now just looks like they're a fire sale. Just everything must go. And that includes obviously people's jobs as part of that. Yeah, it's a lot of a lot of wasted sort of potential with every you're sitting on. I guess with as far as gamers concerned, it's like a gold mine of IPs that you have mm-hmm. that you can tap into. And uh, it, I guess there was also news recently about them sort of supposedly reaching a deal with the heavy like uh, Saudi Arabian investment group and and something with that. I feel like they didn't quite get all the fine details sort of finalized, and they thought mm-hmm. things were through with that deal and then uh, hmm. the investment group sort of backed up sort of last minute. Yeah. I think that was where all this really began with them. When that deal fell through, that's when the fire sale began. Hmm. Okay. Because I don't, I think they were counting on that money, which was my understanding, like in the billions of dollars of an investment. Um, and they were counting on that money to allow them to sustain and go forward. And it just sounds like they don't have the money hmm. to continue on. Um, so, it, yeah, I think we've mentioned this previously, but it, it just seems like Embracer in the next two years will no longer be a thing that we're talking about. They'll just be mostly, you know, disillusioned. 
Do you think that this has something to do with such so sort of the digital, I don't know what the right word is, the contraction after sort of post-COVID where you just had everyone sort of on their screens 24 seven during COVID and you had all this investment there and now, now those people aren't there. You, is that what it is or is it, is it just bad business practice that, or a little bit of both or. So my understanding, and again, I'm not uh, a finance person. <laughs> so, um, but my understanding is that a lot of these game studios staffed up really big during COVID um, because everybody was at home. Everybody was, buying and playing games. Um, and then also inflation shot up huge, both during COVID and certainly right after COVID hit and everything. And my understanding is like, if you had money setting in the bank, you were collecting less money on that or less interest on that money than if you just went out and spent the money. So that's why you saw the like rush of acquisitions in the game industry right. and in a lot of different areas, but particularly in the game industry, we saw a rash of acquisitions, you know, Microsoft buying Activision is part of why that happened because Microsoft was theoretically losing money, letting that money set in the bank. And so they were better off investing, buying something with it. Um, and so, Companies like Embracer were able to get lots and lots of money from investors to like go buy stuff. Um, but now that inflation is, has dropped and now that, um, you know, like COVID is over and people are still buying games, but they're maybe not as focused on games as they were during COVID. Um, this is sort of blowing up in the face of a lot of these companies. And so we're seeing the outcome of that, which is lots and lots of people losing their jobs. So as we say, every time we talk about this, obviously our thoughts and, uh, and hearts go out to the people who are losing their jobs. Um, that can be incredibly traumatic for uh, people and entire families and everything. So we wish them the best. Um, Unity has also said they will lay off staff in the next few months. Uh, we've talked a lot about Unity and their disaster. So this is like the least surprising news story in the world. Um, you know, Unity sort of created their own uh, disaster here for themselves. Um, the Game Awards uh, released their nominations this week. So the Game Awards are the ones put on by Jeff Keighley. They date back all the way back to Spike TV. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you know the men's network where they would get on there and have the game awards and also like ads for x body spray so <laughs> um i do watch these basically i've watched these last two years actually that's been it's it, it is that uh but it yeah but you know they're they're pretty good they are the biggest award show like at least to the outgoing public right like there's other ones that uh, are maybe bigger like as trade awards uh sort of but industry awards but like you know for the general public this is the biggest award show in video games this is the closest we get to the emmys or the grammys or the oscars <laughs> And I think for me, there's there's more gaming announcements in this like yeah. two hours mm -hmm. of programming than there are in you know a lot of things. And it's not always great games, but you do get quite a few good gems in there. Of like, I'm this is a big title that I'm really excited to. Mm -hmm. And I think see that's for the first time. That's the biggest pull for people at this point yeah. is knowing right. that there are going to be a lot of 
exclusive and premier announcements at the these awards. Sorry, it was just a, a thought. I was like, like the people who watch the Super Bowl only for the commercial. Sure. <laughs> it, it is. It I is. mean, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, people are paying Jeff Keeley to put their announcement mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. this show, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I think at some point he's even kind of talked about that, like the money involved in it yeah. and everything. But, I mean, he is putting on this show. He does rent out a big theater in L.A. and puts on this show. And, you know. And you have musical acts there, too, which are really right, impressive. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of money that goes into it. And this is his you know, full-time job is doing these sorts of events. He does the uh, summer, summer, summer game fest, fest. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And does this and, you know, so Jeff Keeley gets a lot of crap from video game fans, but like Jeff Keeley's also like one of the best promoters of video games out yeah. there right now. Yeah. I, I remember seeing him on, I don't know if y'all had G4 back in the, the, yeah. the 2000s. Yeah. yeah. I remember him on there. Uh, He's come a long way. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so they announced the Game Award uh, nominations. Um, they are, I believe, December 7th. Is that right? That sounds right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will be streamed live online and everything. But um, I, I did include three of the categories on here just because I thought, or two of the categories, excuse me. Uh, I thought two of the categories in here were kind of interesting. Uh, there's, I don't know, 20 total categories, like Seven of those are about esports. Um, yeah. So depending on your interest. Uh, but I included two of the bigger ones here. So their game of the year nominations are Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Marvel Spider-Man 2, Resident Evil 4, Super Mario Brothers Wonder, and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. And I just kind of wonder what are your reactions to this as the lineup for game of the year? I think my only disappointment in Game of the Year is Resident Evil 4. I know it's a phenomenal game, and I'm sure it is incredibly deserving of a nomination like this. But as a remake, I would rather see, again, I'll, I'll, I'll say it again, I would rather see like Lies of P get nominated uh, yeah. for something like this mm-hmm. than uh, a remake. Mm-hmm. As, good as, it, as good as it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I haven't played most of these, but I do. I have played Baldur's Gate three, and I have played Legends of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom, and I feel like uh, it was a good year for both of these these games. Mm-hmm. And I would probably be a little biased towards one of those winning, mm-hmm. but I'm I haven't played it. I've heard nothing but good ones. things about Baldur's Gate three, like it, from everybody. It is. Have, has anyone yeah. here played? I haven't played, played it. Yeah, no, I've been been wanting and considering picking it up, but I know that that needs to happen. Yeah, yeah. not in the middle of a semester. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, if you if you like if you like Baldur's Gate or you like pen and paper sort of RPGs or Dungeons and Dragons or anything like that, I feel like this is the best game in terms of like as close to that as you can get mm-hmm. without actually having another human be able to improv the things in front of you. Mm-hmm. You know, the the choices that you have are, are amazing. Like my friend, my friend was watching me play just because like tiny little decisions I would make would completely change things. Mm-hmm. And so he would be watching a very different story being played out and all of that. Um, yeah. I have friends who've played it and they, they love it. Um, so I'm I'm definitely interested. It's in. great. The, the characters are dynamic. The story is great. It feels it 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 it's up there. A lot. It's great. A lot of what I've seen, and this just again from people I follow on Twitter. A lot of people seem, from my perspective, it seems like the favorite mm-hmm. to win. It could yep. be. Which That's what I was thinking. 
with how impressive and popular Tears of the Kingdom was mm-hmm. earlier this year, for Baldur's Gate to, again, from my perspective, come out as the favorite right now, is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It it really it really just is everything about the genre done done well and done correctly. Um, you know, it's 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 amazing. I didn't I didn't quite finish it as I was going through because some other game release came out, but. And I think I was, I was playing through Starfield and was just always being comparing it to Baldur's mm-hmm. Gate 3 and just like, nothing here is as good as Baldur's <laughs> Gate 3. Uh, it's just not uh, a lot of things. Uh, so, yeah. Well, I mean, I think you noticed, like, Starfield did not get a nomination for Starfield Game of the not. Year. And yeah. no I, Microsoft game did. And that was maybe the one of the most highly anticipated games of the year was Starfield. Yeah. And I think it's Baldur's Gate 3 <laughs> more than any other game yeah. is responsible for really cutting it off at the knees this year, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. um, it, if Baldur's Gate 3 doesn't come out, then Starfield looks a lot better as an RPG this year, as like the prestige RPG coming out this year. And like I didn't really love Starfield, but without something there to compare it directly to you maybe it by default like gets mm-hmm. a nomination right i would argue the same thing happened to diablo 4 yes yeah. cuz like i actually the reason i haven't played baldur's gate 3 is because i was deciding between that and diablo mm-hmm. 4 and i went diablo 4 yeah very I, different games yeah. completely different well shows, it's almost. it's yeah. it was so i was moving here this summer and so it was like a okay christina you have a month here you can choose either <laughs> baldur's gate 3 or yeah. diablo 4 and I chose Diablo 4 because uh, folks that I I could play with people like that yeah. I knew had it, and I'm kicking myself because I chose the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think you chose a, a wrong no, one. No, it, like, it was still great. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I, I think that's the thing that, you know, has really been the story of the year, and I think, I think you're right, Mario, when you say, like, after Tears of the Kingdom came out, it was difficult to imagine that game not being the story of the year. Right, mm-hmm. and it, it was the game that had all the hype, and then it came out and it exceeded the hype for most people. Yeah, it was funny. It was it was almost like thinking about it. It was like it felt okay. This is obviously going to be a favorite for game of the year, but let's wait for Starfield because right. that's going to be the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we had that conversation on this podcast. Like, let's not like write off Starfield. <laughs> that's that could still be amazing, and even Diablo Four, sure. right? Mm-hmm. Like visually, lot. Diablo Four is gorgeous it's so pretty yeah yeah i like diablo 4 quite a bit i'm i came from diablo 3 though which had basically 10 years of updates and new features and new and reworking of like fine-tuning things and so diablo 4 just isn't there yet for me right diablo 4 was is my introduction to the franchise Mm -hmm. the people that i was playing with said that about diablo 3 though they played one two and three Mm -hmm. and they yeah they said the exact same thing it's the sims problem Mm -hmm. right every time they put out a new sims game it's like all the additional features all the different things that you can do all the decorations are out of it Mm -hmm. and so you know like sims 4 comes out and everybody goes but The Sims 3 is so much more. There's so much more you can right. do. Like this kind of pales in comparison. It'll get there five years from now, yep. <laughs> yeah. but it's not what we want to play right now. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that hurts a lot of these games For that sure. have that long sort of tell on them. Yeah. Diablo 3 had like 30 seasons. Yeah. And those seasons only started like a year after or shortly after their first expansion actually came out mm-hmm. too. So it, it was, it's just 
you know, decades long of a, of a game development time versus mm -hmm. these other ones. So maybe like in season 10 of Diablo 4, it'll probably yeah. be like right at the sweet <laughs> spot for me to jump back in. I, I think Diablo 4 will have those sorts of long legs. Yeah. Like all the Diablo yeah. games have, like Diablo 2 sold for years. Mm -hmm. Like people kept buying it at Walmart and those Diablo battle chests yeah. and stuff. <laughs> yep. And so like I, I definitely can imagine that game five years from now, people still playing that game. Um I don't think Diablo 4 will probably be hurt that much. But, yeah, I mean, it, it is surprising, right, to see Baldur's Gate 3, and I think you're right. I think certainly among, like, a, you know, I, I don't like this term because what does it actually mean, but the hardcore gamer demographic, uh, people who are really playing, you know, everything new and everything, I, I think it's stolen a lot of that thunder, certainly from Starfield and Diablo 4. I think you're right, but... I think also a bit from Zelda and sure. it's going to be interesting to see because the people who are voting on these are people in the games media. So these are the type of people who have access to all these games mm -hmm. and are playing them all right. Versus the general public who maybe hasn't had as much opportunity to play something like Baldur's Gate three. Um, yeah. I think both are good choices. Zelda or Baldur's Gate's my, those are my, those are my choices personally, mm -hmm. and I don't fault anybody else for picking everything else. I've heard Super Mario Bros. Wonder is amazing. Um, mm -hmm. It really is sort of a return to the art form of the 2D Mario sort of in a way. But yeah. yeah. It's an amazing game. Uh, I agree with that. Um, Resident Evil 4, I agree, Mario as well. That um, It's probably the one that feels like it least fits here because it is just a, a remake. It's not, it's not even a total reimagining like we got with Final Fantasy VII. Right, where, yeah. um, you know, it wasn't just a, hey, we're going to replace the graphics and everything, but we're actually going to make an entirely new game out of this. And, um, like, and like part of me hates to say that because I'm sure people worked incredibly hard. And, again, like, yeah. they, they deserve that recognition, but it's hard to see it over, again, and I'll, I'll say it, uh, and i say it about the next category as well. Uh, I'd, I would rather see, like, a Lies of P in there to highlight this smaller independent studio, um, a game that, that I think we, you know, we've talked about it a number of times, just as like, it had this cool trailer and people like, Oh, that's kind of a goofy, silly take on, right. on, you know, a story that people know that has sort of blown people away for it to not get that recognition. Like mm -hmm. I said, is, is a little disappointing. Um, so that next category that we do have listed on here, uh, again, we're just going to talk about these. Uh, unless somebody wants to pull up the other categories and has a particular beef on one of them, <laughs> we can talk about that. Um, but I also had best independent game on here uh, because this was different games. A lot of the other categories are, you know, obviously repeating mm -hmm. the same games. Um, so best independent game, they have Cocoon, Dave the Diver, Dredge, Sea of Stars, and Viewfinder. Um, and, you know, like, I, I like this category because it is entirely different games, right? Like, these are none of the Game of the Year nominations, so it is an opportunity for these games to actually get some exposure and, you know, maybe increase sales and everything. Yeah, I know people were upset that Dave the Diver was nominated here. Um, oh, man. Well, no, not, not because it's not a good game. I think yeah. people really like the game. But that the studio that made it is a subsidiary as a subsidiary of a major studio. Oh, so it is like gotcha. Uh, Mint Rocket is a subsidiary of Nexon, which is a 
massive yeah, AAA yeah. studio. And so people were like, this is nothing about the game itself. Yeah. People seem to really like it. And from what I, I've watched, I really liked it. it seems like a, a great <laughs> game. But they were like, this is not an independent game. Yeah, no, um, I agree with that. And I want to say that one of the responses, what it might have even been from like Jeff Keeley or somebody like a, a uh-huh. you know, major figure is like, is independent, does independent more mean an aesthetic than an actual, oh, yeah. uh, the publisher that's yeah. putting it, putting it out. And I think that all of these fit into, I don't know about Viewfinder. I, if I'm thinking of the right game, then it, it does. All of these fit a similar aesthetic that something like a lies of P does not fit into yeah, absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the aesthetic that these, these games would fit into. Yep. And so um, that was a big conversation that a lot of people were having about this particular category mm-hmm. and Dave, the divers inclusion in it. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the ways I heard it described is what do we mean by independent game? Are we talking about budget or are we talking about vibe? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same thing with sort of music too, and indie right, music. Yeah. yeah, right. Like indie music used to actually mean something <laughs> in the music industry, and then it very much did become like this is a sound, right? Like in the '90s, like indie music was a sound. It wasn't so much like, hey, this is actual independent artist. Uh, film did the same thing, right? Like it used to be, mm. you have an indie film, and now you have like, you know, Searchlight Pictures, which is, mm. I guess, mm-hmm. Disney now. Um, and you know, they're putting it out. That's not an indie film. That's Disney. <laughs> Disney owns like entire nations. Like they're not, <laughs> there's nothing indie about that. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's difficult, right? With a category like this, cause you want to recognize these smaller games, even something like Dave, the diver it's made by a big studio, but it is a smaller budget, yeah. smaller scale game. How do you recognize those? Cause those games are, can't compete against a Baldur's Gate 3 or an Alan Wake 2 or certainly a Marvel Spider-Man where, you know, they're putting $200 million into the game. Um, There's no competition there. And, you know, like it's the same thing that the Oscars sort of run into a lot of times Mm -hmm. where those smaller films just get kind of ignored Mm -hmm. when it comes Oscar time because they can't mount the big uh, campaigns and everything. Yeah, I I almost wonder if... uh you move into looking more at that vibe or more at that, that aesthetic. I don't know how you would sort of create a category for that, but like if you would change it to almost like a best 3d game as compared to a best 2d game, Mm. you know, whereas as you're, you're getting more of the, the pixel style art or like a voxel style art in a, you know, what is that independent vibe as compared to, Cause you're right. Like I'm sure some of these games are fantastic from everything that I've watched of, of dredge. That looks like a really cool game, but yeah, it's not going to stand up against any of the others or the one that we talked about, uh, 2018, like as incredible and as happy as it made me to see Celeste get nominated, it was not going to beat God of war right. that right. year for, game, for game of the year <laughs> or any of the other stuff that it got nominated as much as I love that game. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and so it's it's hard it's hard to do that sort of comparison. In the Oscars, they they sort of address that with animated films, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. By creating their own category. And I knew some people who worked in animation that that actually made them mad when they created that separate category because mm-hmm. they said this probably prohibits an animated film from ever getting nominated for uh, Best Picture yeah. again because everybody will say, "Oh, well, 
I, I'm going to vote for it in best animated film. So I don't need to vote for it for best picture. Yeah. Mm. I remember it being like kind of a big, I want to say it was up was nominated for best picture the year that it came out. Uh, it was one of those Pixar movies, and I want to say it was I up. I think it was up, yeah. And, and it, was, it felt significant mm-hmm. that it was like, oh, that's really cool that, yeah, an animated film is getting that level of recognition mm-hmm. against whatever it was nominated that, against that year. And, and not to say that animated films are the same as, like, independent games. Like, you know, sure. those animated films can have gigantic budgets and huge staffs, obviously. Um, but, you know, th- this idea of how do you recognize different facets of the medium, mm-hmm. right? Because there are these sorts of, like, I think there's a category for best ongoing game, which is like their sort yeah, of live service sounds right. category. Um, but, you know, that's a lot of things now. Forza is obviously a live service game now. Like, that game is going to continue to get updates for, you know, the next two years at least, right? And, and Diablo 4 is a live service game. Like, but we don't necessarily talk about those as live service games compared to something like Destiny 2. Mm. Um, so, like, how do we recognize these games? And, you know, and some people have even talked about, like, the categories. So there's, like, a best action game and a best action adventure game yeah. category. <laughs> and people are like, well, what is what <laughs> in this? And, you know, in an, er- in an era, like, that used to be easy. Right, like action games were Super Mario Brothers, Contra, and adventure games were Zelda. Mm-hmm. So that was an easy distinction to make. Nowadays, everything is an RPG, right? Everything has leveling up and skill trees, and you know, God of War has that. Yeah, mm-hmm. but God of War is not an RPG. Like, yeah. So how do we define games anymore? Mm-hmm. I, to and one thing that I, I will say just to take take a slight step back into the game of the year. I am really happy that wonder is nominated because I feel like when you look at all of these other games, maybe not as much as Zelda, but like these fit into that, like serious games type of category. If you're playing these games, you're more of like a quote unquote serious gamer. Whereas Mario is, is a family game. Like that's a game that we've talked about a lot. Like they have specifically made, features in that game with Yoshi and Nabbit so that, you know, well, I guess it's not specific for young kids to play, but like Mm. it is an accessibility feature that makes it accessible to, you know, everybody or anybody who, who wants to play it. Um, And I don't think that those games get recognized as much as like, it's, it's not as serious or it's not a, as intense of a game or, or whatever. And so I will say that, you know, that is one aspect of, of, why I'm happy that something like a wonder Mm. got nominated um, because one of the other categories that they know they have, I want to say is best. I don't think it's best serious games. It's like games that matter or something like that. Yeah. But but that's really games that are like kind of reaching out and like diversity and and mm. that sort of thing. But I know that they've had like those sort of those, those like triple a games get nominated. And that's where it's like, that's another one of those ones where it's like, I think if you look at like winners across the years, you know, how do you, or, or even just like who's nominated against each other. I think I want to say the year that it won, or maybe it wasn't even an award that had like multiple nominees. Maybe it was more of like a, what you would consider like an achievement award where it's more the recognition. Like how do you compare a game like that dragon cancer Mm -hmm. to 
God of War Ragnarok that I think won last year for its accessibility features. I think that Dragon Cancer did win the Games That Matter award. It did, and yeah. that's what, what it was, yeah. um, you know, those are obviously years apart, but it's like, yeah, there's just the ways that the genrefication of games is really hard when games, and we talked about it with Thirsty Suitors, what category does that fit into? Oh, if it yeah. were to get nominated, <laughs> what does that fit in? What, it's I have no idea. Um, and so it's like games now check so many different of those genre boxes that I think that it's getting to a point where you do have to rethink or restructure the way you go about um, the, 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 these categories because genre doesn't really, games don't fit into those singular boxes. Mm-hmm. Well, we talked about Tetris Effect earlier, right? And when that game came out a few years ago, it won some game of the year awards and but like it is a game as is as game as game as a game can be (laughs) right like it is tetris it is like the most basic game like setup and everything right like a lot of people talk about tetris as the like best game ever made because it's so simple and so accessible to anyone to pick up and play um and so, you know, you compare it to something like Alan Wake 2 or Baldur's Gate 3. It doesn't have all the layers of systems and di- varied gameplay that those games have. How do you even begin to compare it to those? Yeah. Right? Like, it's more like experimental film than like feature film. Mm-hmm. Right? And in the video game industry, we have all of those kind of lumped in together, like competing with one another when it comes to awards time, at least. And they don't even, like, they're not even the same, like, you know, species <laughs> to some degree. Yeah, I mean, uh, outside of maybe Wonder, all the others are very narrative heavy. Uh, maybe not as much Baldur's Gate. I imagine there's a, a lot of, like, emergent narrative that happens there, but maybe not. Um, emergent meaning, like... The, like, the, like players creating the narrative as, as they go as compared to... Alan Wake 2 is like, there is a very clear storyline or plot that's happening across this. There's both. I okay. think there's both in Baldur's Gate. Um, um, which is another category that exists as best narrative. Or, right. You know, and so I think this is a good problem for games to have. I don't even know if it's really a problem, but like it makes games really hard to define or put into a category. I think that that's something that Jeff Keighley is going to need to figure out. <laughs> you know, moving forward because, yeah, it's like, well, if this game is in four different categories because it checks all these boxes, does it really belong in any of those categories? So, I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's indicative of the diversification of games. Yeah. And when we talk about diversification, it is not just who those games are representing, right? And that's important. Um, it but it is also the types of stories that are being telling, being told in these games and also who those games are being made for, mm-hmm. right? Like Thirsty Suitors is not a game made for the Call of Duty crowd. Now, that doesn't mean there won't be any overlap between the people playing those two games, but it's just not made for them. I mean, I, I'll get canceled like Brie Larson for saying this, that some art is not made for some people, mm-hmm. like at least not intentionally, right? In, like In the marketing department, they're not like, we're trying to hit these particular <laughs> gamers. 
Like we're we're never going to be the game that like every frat house on campus owns, right? <laughs> Thirsty Suitors is not that probably. Um, but that's also like a, amazing and cool, and it makes video games exciting. Yeah, because not only does that make it more interesting as somebody who plays these games, but it brings in all sorts of different people into games that you know, for a long time felt like they didn't belong or weren't welcome in video games. Um, And, you know, that's, that's super exciting to see, but yeah, I mean, I think the issue is like, how do we as an industry recognize that sort of diversification that's going on? Because we can all say it's great, but like if those games aren't getting recognized at our biggest award show, then the, um, they're not necessarily getting the promotion that they need in a lot of cases, right? Like that's the cool thing about the Oscars is that the films that get nominated for best picture, uh, people will go out and see those movies, mm-hmm. you know, and it'll be some little indie film that you haven't heard of and you'll go, Oh, well I want to go see that now because it's supposed to be one of the best films of the year. And that's great for these games but like it's much better for the independent games, right? Than yeah. Super Mario Brothers Wonder, which everybody knows what that is and <laughs> has heard of it. Um, or Liza P, right? Like a, a game that kind of got overlooked at, at the time of its release and everything. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, so lots of cool stuff with that. Um, we'll obviously talk more about that when um, the actual awards uh, happen. Uh, Nintendo had an Indie World showcase. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of huge news that came out of this. Uh, I did write down just a few things. Uh, the first one is Shantae Risky Revolution. This was a in-development Game Boy Advance game that they have now gone back and finished. It was never finished at the time and just kind of left on the shelf, and they brought back a lot of the original team to finish this game and now release it onto the Switch. Um, Outer Wilds uh, Archaeologist Edition. So Outer Wilds is actually coming out onto the Switch. I don't know if that's the best way to play that game. <laughs> is that the time loop game? Yeah. yeah. I always get Outer Wilds and Outer Worlds mixed yep. up. And so I'm I'm I Outer Wilds is the one I wanna play. <laughs> uh, which is no offense to Outer Worlds, but I'm always like, which one is which? Because they so. came out like two yeah. months apart or yeah, something. Yeah. 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 Outer Outer Wilds. So the archaeologist edition is a Switch version. That's what it is basically. Mm-hmm. Is that one? Okay. Yeah, Outer Wilds, it's it's great. I don't want to, it's like I, I want to tell you yeah, about no. it, but I, I think <laughs> at totally, least the totally first, like, yeah, yeah, like, you definitely need to play through one of the gameplay loops, you know, just just to kind of see what that, that is about, because my gameplay loop was just c- calamitous, just, <laughs> just disastrous, just, I fell into a star, you know, just like a bunch of stuff, just... You should go into that game knowing as little as possible. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. that's everything that I've heard is is basically what both of you just said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they showed off a game called On Your Tell. I thought this one was pretty neat because um, you're kind of anthropomorphic animals on this little beachside town, but you're trying to solve um, some sort of crime, I guess. <laughs> you're trying to figure out who this person in a mask is, and so. It actually has you like going through the town and investigating different scenes and everything and looking for clues. Um, so it just had kind of a fun look to it. And again, when we talk about diversification of games, like this is a weird game to be <laughs> making. Like it's 
You know, it's like they're making a Nancy Drew game or something, (laughs) which I know they make those Nancy Drew games. (laughs) Um, So I can see that very much appealing to different people. Backpack Hero is a roguelike, but it seems like the entire gameplay is... So Resident Evil 4, very famously, you have to arrange items in your backpack to make them fit. So if you get a shotgun, you may have to, like, rearrange where things are so you can fit the shotgun in there. This is an entire game of you arranging things in your backpack. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a streamer I watch who played a lot of this game, and it looks really cool. There's another one out right now called Backpack Battles. That's I don't want to call it popular, but it's popular. Um, <laughs> that uh, It's both basically that, that concept, and so it's cool to see this coming to the Switch because I've got a little bit of familiarity with it. Um, the last game I have on here is HAL, um, which I just thought... It's a sort of strategy uh, game, something uh, sort of akin to a, um, um, I can't think of the Nintendo game now, um, Advance Wars, right? Oh. Something kind of similar to that, except you are trying to sneak around and not have these wolf-like monsters hear you as you go through and you have to plan several steps in advance <laughs> your movement. So it's like turn-based yeah. stealth game. Oh. Um, yeah, a turn-based stealth game. So like maybe sort of like Hitman Go, like yeah. uh, if you ever saw that or played that. Um, but it has a really cool art style to it. That's what really stood out to me. Like all these games, every time they do one of these indie showcases now, I'm always blown away by every game looks radically different from the other. <laughs> like all the mainstream games all look alike. Like, all the big AAA games, they all look, you know, because they're trying to be hyper-realistic. But when you get to the indie games, everything just looks crazy and wild and weird, and that's cool in the game industry to see that happening. Um, So, you know, there were some other games that were shown off. Those were the big ones that I made note of and everything from it. Um, One last story here to get to, uh, because, you know, this is kind of a sad story to see uh, the completionist, a YouTuber. Um, his real name is Gerard Khalil. Um, so several years back, he started raising money for um, for people suffering from Alzheimer's. Uh, apparently his mother suffered from Alzheimer's. Um, and so um, Alzheimer's and dementia, I guess. Um, and so he created a uh, an event where they would raise money for charity that eventually led to the creation of a charity called the open hand foundation. And over the years they have raised over $600,000 through their streams and everything uh, associated with this. They have brought celebrities on to these streams and everything. So I think Jamie Lee Curtis is one of the people that I saw from one of these streams. So this is a pretty big deal. Um, Two different, People came out this week having done investigations onto this charity, and they say the records show that they have never donated any of this money to actual, like, uh, Alzheimer's or dementia researchers. So basically, as far as they can tell, they've raised over $600,000. That money is still sitting in a bank account and has never been done anything with that money. Um, so nonprofits have to file, you know, obviously like uh, forms with the government every year and everything. They're not taxed, but they do have to be completely transparent with all of their money and how they spend all that. 
Um, so looking at the records, they can see that they have not spent this money. They have went to uh, Gerard and asked him, and he said, oh, well, this was because of some complications, but, like, we've got those sorted out, but that was, like, two years ago, and uh-huh. he has continued to raise money and has continued to not actually give any of this money to the charities. And he has said that he was giving this to, like, universities for research and giving this to uh, specific groups and has apparently never gave them any of the money. Um, <laughs> it's a really weird story. Yeah. I, I think part of the reason this w- hurts so many people is he's a, a popular mm-hmm. YouTuber. I know I have watched his videos mm-hmm. uh, years and years ago. Um, I hadn't, hadn't really watched anything of his in a long time, but I probably still like subscribe to his channel because every once in a on YouTube, because I'll see, oh, a new video from the completionist about mm-hmm. whatever new game has just come out. And so I think for a lot of people, that makes it hurt even more yeah. that this person that they admired, not just for his charity work, but just for like what he does with games, mm-hmm. um, that, that he is not followed through with what he said he was doing, but what he said he would do. And he's the one who went on like the Wii U e store mm-hmm. and bought everything mm-hmm. this That's year. Right. Spent yeah, like thirty thousand dollars doing it. The Wii U and the three DS. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and so that was a big story this year. That was like lots of positive PR. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously this is what happens sometimes. Somebody gets lots of positive PR and people start kind of paying attention to them or yeah. more attention than they mm-hmm. have in the past. And they kind of look at the finances and say, something's not right here. Um, we should note that nobody has accused him of any wrongdoing with the money specifically, not like he's taking this money out and spending it on himself or anything. As far as they can tell, that money is there. They just have not distributed that mm-hmm. money like they said they would. So there might be some problems as a nonprofit, as a charity with setting on that money, but there's no indications like he is, um, you know, in like been benefiting from this in any way. Um, so, but I think you're right. I, I think this is, this can't not hurt him. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that does it for news. Uh, so the only thing we have left is the big question. And as we head into Thanksgiving, I'm pretty sure we've done a variation of this question before, but we have uh, a almost entirely new crew <laughs> here since, uh, Mario, you've been joining the uh, podcast this year full time. Um, so the question is, uh, what's a favorite game for the holidays with family and friends? So as we head into Thanksgiving, like what's a game that you like to play when you're home around your family and friends? Because I, I feel like people are always looking for ideas of what to play with their family and friends. Um, so, uh, Christina, why don't we start with you? Yeah. Um, so I have, like, three different answers just because of uh, the, the various groups I'm in. I <laughs> I always take my Switch with me. My Switch has Jackbox games on it, which for friends especially, like, people love it. I actually play it with the graduate students too. Like, it's just something I always use. Played uh, it with my students this morning in class. <laughs> I, I love it so much, and there's just so many that are fun and weird and, like, really interesting takes on, like, board games, sort mm-hmm. of. It, it's really great. Um, if I go home home, um, I think I mentioned last time I was here that, like, my sister and I would, would battle each other either on Mario Kart or Smash Bros, and so sometimes we'll pull out the old N64 and play those kinds of things. 
Um, the third one is I really like to just watch people play video games, as most people do. And probably the most memorable one um, was I was back home visiting and my cousin had just gotten Red Dead Redemption. And any of those games that have kind of an involved story, I think, w- would be interesting. Like, especially if you have a bunch of people who don't mind watching games. Um, just because, <laughs> like, the, the the one, the memory that sticks out to me, one is the ending and I cried and my cousin laughed at me and I was like, <laughs> shut up. Uh, but then the funny, the funny one about it is like, uh, he was galloping along and I'm sitting here watching it. And all of a sudden this, what I thought was a rock of course is a bear and charges after him. And I almost peed myself because <laughs> I was like, what did it, where did that come from? And so like just, uh, any, those types of games that have like a, a good, narrative in them um is is nice especially like for the older cousin (laughs) this is how i kind of think of us um to just kind of gather around and play through a honestly just like playing through an extended movie basically yeah i can see that for the narrative driven games because that can be entertaining to somebody Mm -hmm. much more than like saying watching somebody play mario right like mario is a neat looking game if you play video games yes but it's it's not incredibly compelling to watch For on sure. its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right, Scott. Yeah, I was going to mention Jackbox as well yeah. as uh, <laughs> Mario Kart. Uh, uh, I, I do think there's a lot of fun in watching people play scary video games. Uh, yeah. I, I have a hard time playing. I can do scary movies really easily, but something about <laughs> being embodied into like mm-hmm. a world, like an amnesia or something like that. But I think it really makes watching... Uh, watching people play scary video games a lot of fun and that's mm-hmm. something maybe the whole family can kind of get around and enjoy <laughs> um yeah I, uh overcooked i don't know that might be a game I'm sort <laughs> yeah. of thinking yeah. it's a little a bit really of a hard choice. it's a little that's bit a of a good choice it's a little uh-huh. bit of a hard game at least in terms of like in maybe the initial there's a weird a little bit of a weird curve to it i think mm-hmm. in terms of difficulty but right. i think you know you're you're running around a kitchen Failing at putting dishes together and spilling things and putting food out. You know, that's that's what the holidays are exactly. about. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> that, that's my choice. So I, I've told this on this podcast before, but at the last Playing for Pets event that we did, um, Sandy played that game and then immediately asked me, um, is this available on Switch? I'm, I'm going to go home and buy this game <laughs> to, like, play with her daughter. I, I assume, really or cute. maybe just her play. <laughs> I don't know. Um but, yeah, I think that's a, a great choice because it's really simple to pick up and play. Like, you get the idea very quickly with that, even if you don't play a lot of games. Uh, Mario. Yeah, so uh, no one else in my family are big gamers. My stepsister will ask me for recommendations, but, you know, she's she's a big Animal Crossing gamer. Uh. And beyond that, <laughs> yeah. doesn't play a ton of, a ton of stuff. And same thing with... Um, Disney Dreamlight Valley. I, I, yeah, I, she might she might like that one. Um, but and this this is gonna sound a little mean. Um, but one of the games I had bought her because I thought she would in, in, enjoy it, and she I think she does. But it's definitely not her style of game. I bought her Celeste for because her birthday is she's yeah. got like a, a Christmas birthday, and so she was playing it, and her partner bought it because he he was enjoying watching her play. And so just sitting there watching the two Mm. of them play Celeste and struggle through it (laughs) was so (laughs) enjoyable. And it would just be funny because then like every once in a while, 
I would get a text and like, oh, Jake just beat, you know, this, this <laughs> one. Or, right. And it's funny. So sh- I remember her texting me. I don't remember. I don't know when it was, but I remember her texting me saying like, oh, Jake just, just got to the summit. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And I'm like, oh, ha- has he tried any of the B-sides yet? And she's like, what are B-sides? <gasps> oh. And I was like, oh, you've got so much more game oh. to explore. <laughs> um, but uh, I guess I that's like, that might be my favorite game of all time. Um, it's really um, just meaningful to me for a, a number of different reasons. And it's a game that I race a lot and speed run a lot with friends. And so getting to watch them play it for the same time. Um, and that's what I kept trying to tell. Like, I know the game is hard, mm-hmm. but the, the story that's there, if you're willing to like kind of a lot of times just like bash your head into the levels until you get it. Yeah, there, there really is something there that I think you'll appreciate. And, mm-hmm. and so, um, it's not sort of the typical holiday sort of like playing with friends and family, but there are a lot of good memories of watching them mm. play that game and, and the enjoyment that they eventually did get out of it. Um, that would be an interesting game to like give to people who don't play a lot of video games because it, that game does so like it does such a good job of pacing out the incentives mm-hmm. right like you get to those little spots where they give you a little bit of story and everything and so there's this constant incentive to keep pushing forward and that's such a great sense of accomplishment when you complete a level in that game and as hard as that game is it is very kind to the player right mm-hmm. in like making it making it challenging but like encouraging people to continue on it's not like a it's not like a mean hard, like, uh, you know, some of those, you know, like classic style rage games. It, it right. is very like encouraging in like, hey, you're, you know, each death is you getting better and all that sort of stuff. And I, I don't know, I, I really appreciate um, Maddie, Maddie's approach to that sort of development of, of her games. And it has one of the best like classic chiptune soundtracks. Oh yeah, I've the soundtrack heard, is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a great game. Yeah. It's like yeah. one of those games more people need to play. Mm-hmm. Like no matter how popular that game becomes, more people still need to play it. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so my answers have mostly been picked over. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, the Jackbox, like I said, I played that this morning with one of my classes. I'm like, hey, you bothered to come the day before Thanksgiving. <laughs> Let's do something fun that also relates to social media and digital communication. Perfect. Um, <laughs> And um, so I, I did that, actually played that this morning. Um, and then obviously uh, Overcooked, I always think of because uh, because of Sandy's reaction, but also because that's a, a really cool game to just give to somebody who, who hasn't played a video game, you know, maybe not ever before, but like in years, like, you know, the sort of person who will brag to you, I haven't played a game since Atari. You're like, okay, well, you can play this. Yeah. <laughs> basically one button and the joystick so you'll be okay um so yeah those are both like really great answers um so i thought of a couple here one is a variation of the jackbox games and it's one that we've talked about on here quite a bit which is uh the rift tracks game um so if you're not familiar with that rift tracks is um obviously like a continuation of mystery science theater and so they made a game and it is where you watch 
short clips from movies and you fill in the dialogue. Um, and they've done a ton of work on that game over the years after it came out. They put out lots of free DLC, uh, adding additional movies, and they have a mode in there where you can uh, pick from pre-recorded answers. So like, if you're not very creative, which is the complaint I get from people sometimes when I play these sorts of games, they're like, I'm not creative enough. I can't come up with good answers. And they get frustrated. This game lets you choose, like, here's three already written answers. You can pick one of those. So it makes it even more accessible in that way. Uh, the other one, because, and I've talked about this before as well, because in college, friends and I played a ton of this game, is Worms. Yeah. Oh, so, uh, man, that's great. Yeah. And that's the sort of game I feel like you can play for hours on end because the game each match takes <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. over an hour to play. Um and it's the sort of game that you can play while you're like, you know, eating pizza or something because you're not always on, you know, you take sort of turn based mm-hmm. and everything. Um, and it just ends up being like a really fun game. And it's the sort of game, at least when we played it, nobody ever got too mad <laughs> because you just kind of it was always out of your control. The physics in that game are so kind of crazy. And, you know, you throw a grenade and it bounces off of six different things and blows something up and that causes part of the map to collapse on you. And you're just like, oh, okay, well, this is just random in some regard. Um, I think another good good reason for that is I don't think anybody gets picked on too much because like you have like a certain number of units like, oh, this person only has three people left. And so we're not just going to like wipe them out completely. Right. So I'll, I'll go after this person for this turn or whatever. And so. Yeah, and if you're playing with friends, you kind of want everybody to stay in the game as long as possible, generally speaking. Which is probably why those games take so long. If you just, like, wiped people out, it would would (laughs) go much quicker. But, you know, that's not also the point. Sometimes you do have that friend. (laughs) (laughs) Ours was the guy that when when we were playing Smash Brothers, he would just stand on the edge of the Uh. stage and, like, hit you as soon as you tried to (laughs) land. Um, and he couldn't understand why the rest of us were like, we hate you. <laughs> Stop doing this. This is a part of the game. Right, yeah. Oh. Well, if, they did, if they didn't want me to do this, it wouldn't be in the yes. game. Oh. <laughs> um, but, you know, as, as your listeners are headed off to the holidays and everything, like it's always fun to incorporate games. Like it's something that you love. It's something that a lot of people love. And uh, if you can do that together in a fun way and not a way that makes people say, we hate you, <laughs> we don't <laughs> want to play this with you anymore, um, it, it can be a really great bonding experience. I've seen that with the, um, the Jackbox games particularly that, you know, it brings sort of young and old and like all sorts of different groups together to play those. Um, but that does it for this week's show. We will not be back next week because it is Thanksgiving. So we're taking the week off, but uh, thank you for tuning in. Thank you, uh, Mario and Scott and Christina for joining me. Um, and we will be back soon in two weeks with another episode. 